but it was only in obedience to the command that Jesus gave. Many people say that the Great Commission was the Lord's last command, but it wasn't. Uh, his first, he first said, go to Jerusalem and pray. How I many know oh, that's a command too? And when you go and pray, you will be endued with power so that you can do the Great Commission. So Jesus gave those two commands. The church went to the uh, uh, upper room, been to Israel. Melissa and I went. It's fascinating. It's amazing to be on the steps, the southern steps of the temple, there where, where they would uh, gather together. We looked for an upper room sort of meeting place, a building. Uh, but we, we didn't find a building in the colonnade, Max, that would hold 120 people. And so we were, we were astounded that the guide said that, uh, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, the Jews would sit on these steps, of the southern steps of the temple, and that's where they would uh, begin to disciple each other and debate the Word of God and talk about the Word of God and pray. And it's also evident that when Peter stood up being full of the Holy Ghost, right, to preach, uh, who, who was he preaching to? There were 3,000 that got saved at the base of those steps. Are you all hearing me? If 3,000 people would have got saved, they wouldn't have been able to get saved in a small building somewhere in the colonnade. They had to be ability to have 3,000 people coming for Passover and the Feast of Pentecost, right? And so those people were down below the steps, and there were water uh, places for them to get washing, the ceremonial uh, baptisms that they did. Uh, there were all kinds of down the pool of Siloam and then they'd come up and then they'd come up the southern steps into the temple of God and that's where they were seated and they were all in one mind and they were all in one accord and that's where they met. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is Pentecostal. Shh, some people don't know that. She was there, right? The disciples were there, 120 of them gathered in the, book of, in the book of Acts chapter 2, gathered in obedience to the Lord's command. Can I tell you the first thing about a move of the Spirit? Obedience. I said obedience is key to seeing the Lord move in power. Is anybody here ready to see God move in America again? Well, we got to start obeying God, first of all. The second thing is unity. Unity. They got in one mind and one accord and began to pray. Praying in unity, and that's what our, our scheduled uh, lessons were about. And so... When we left off, we, we said that the church in uh, the book of Acts, uh, maybe we can go through the scripture again, Brother Ethan. Let's just go back and read it. For some maybe haven't uh, heard this before. It's your first Sunday back from the holidays. We're glad to have you. Being let go, Peter and John were in prison for preaching Jesus. Being let go, they went to the, their own companions, that's the church, reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, the church heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord. You see that? And they said, Sovereign Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, quotes Psalm, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in uh, vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, much like what's happening in America. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Oh, I'm about to get happy in here. Is anybody hear this? This is what God did. Sovereign God anointed Jesus. Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together against him. 
Now listen to this. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. So, so they thought they were doing something to this new people of the way. These Christians, these Jesus people. They were going to eradicate them because they were an abomination to the, the law of God. But they did not know that God had a plan. Can I tell you some 2,000 years later, God still has a plan. And the people of God are still the prophetic people of God, the praying people of God. And if we will stay together and pray together, God will keep doing his deal. I said the deal's still on. Can somebody help me preach today? The deal's still on. Jesus is still the answer. And so they did what they could to plot against the Lord Jesus. But now, Lord, they go into the prayer, the content of prayer, which we looked at last week. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants, we're going to deal with that in just a little bit, that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through your name, Jesus, right? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Boy, I wanted to do, you know, I've been to Disney World where they, you go into these different rides and you sit down and air blows from underneath your, your feet. And you feel like you're actually on the virtual ride. Whoa, whoa, things start shaking, you know. You guys need to get a life and get out a little bit. I mean, it makes it feel real. So I wanted to, I wanted to put little um, vibrations all over the place so you can see it start to shake. You know. Maybe you'll wake up and say, I mean, oh, this is not a fairy tale. This actually happened. This is the word of the living God. When the people of God prayed, the place where they met was shaken. Woo, I don't know what made it shake, whether it was a devil shaking in his boots or God jumping up and down, but somehow the place of God was shaken. And I believe if we prayed in power like they did, we'll see the demonstration of his power. They were praying, and the place was shaken. They were, they prayed together, right? And they were all, listen to the results, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. All of them. All of them. They met, and they prayed despite the persecution. And we told you last week they modeled it. Jesus modeled it, right? He mandated it. The disciples practiced it, right? And here we are. Go to Jerusalem and pray. I think that same mandate is for us today. When Jesus was going to the cross, he went to the Garden of Eden. And the disciples went with him. Didn't seem to be a whole lot of power at that time. Tired, weary fishermen. Weary from the journey with Jesus. How many know ministry can make you tired? If anybody's done any ministry, how many know it can get weary? But Jesus said, don't grow weary in well-doing. How many know if you will go with Jesus, he will equip you and empower you? But he asked him to watch and pray, and he went in to pray a little deeper in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what did they do? They did what some of you are doing right now. They fell asleep in church. (laughs) Wake your neighbor up. We're about to have church in here. And three times the Lord went, told him, wake up. Wake up. Could you not watch and pray one hour? Just one hour when the Lord needed them the most. When he needed them the most, Max, they didn't come through. And you know why? It's because they weren't equipped yet. Church hadn't been revived yet. But when they obeyed his last command on the Sea of Galilee to go to Jerusalem and pray, 
Then the Holy Spirit came down in the book of Acts chapter 2. Is anybody still a spirit-filled church? Is there still a spirit-filled church in the Ozarks? In the book of Acts chapter 2, they prayed. And when they prayed, the place, the Holy Spirit came, the wind blew like a great mighty rushing wind blew through the house and tongues of fire set up on each of them. We believe it. I said, I believe in Pentecost. Not because it's a religion, because it was a real experience that's based upon the word of God. And it happened in Acts 2. It happened in Acts 4. We see it again. When they prayed together in the name of Jesus for the blessing of the cause of Jesus, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they were all empowered, right, to preach the word of God. So we're going back. Here, help me, set me free on this thing again. <laughs> we went to, uh, to Luke 24, but we're coming back. There we go. Thank you. They all joined together in prayer. And they were gathered together in prayer. The power came. Glory of God came. And then, of course, our text today, they said, don't preach in Jesus' name. Don't do that anymore. And they jailed, put them in jail, flogged them, Peter and John. And uh, while they were being flogged, the church was in prayer. I don't know what you're going through today. But when the world is pressing and pushing me, I hope to be a belonging to a church that's praying for me. I said, when the world's pushing and pressing, the church should be praying. And then when they got back, they told them all that happened, and they began to call on sovereign God. The church was praying together. See, what the early church knew that the people didn't know today, we are going back to where we were. Here we go. So, so I want you to see this, the content of their praying. Oh, sovereign God, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one, the omnipresent one. And we told you last week, if you don't account for these three things, every time you pray, you're praying in unbelief. When you call on God in prayer, you got to believe that he's all powerful. Come on now. If you don't believe he can do it all, then you won't even have to ask him for it all. But if you ask, seek, and knock, it shall be done unto thee. How many believe Jesus can do anything? With God, all things are possible. He's powerful. He's a mighty potent one. He's sovereign. That's what that means. He's the mighty dictator. There is not a dictator on earth or a king on earth that can hold a candle to our God. Not Herod, not Pontius Pilate. Nobody, not the chief priests, not the Sanhedrin. And so the boys said, hey, we don't know what else to do except to obey God rather than you. And although they got in trouble, I know the Lord got them out. If you want a miracle today, the very first thing you need to do to have a miracle is to have a problem. And nobody wants to stand in line for a problem. But if you have a problem, how many know you're a good candidate for a miracle, right? And then his omniscience, he already knows everything. Some people say, well, why pray if, you, if you're already, God already knows, why do I have to pray? God wants you involved in the process. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants you to believe by faith. Faith is the key, right? Trusting God with all your heart. It's all about the relationship and, of course, the fact that he's there with you. So they recognize God as creator. I wonder today if anybody here realizes how big our God is. Let me just tell you, he weighs, right? He, he weighs the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance. He holds the seven seas in the palm of his hands. Is anybody getting this yet? 
He rides on the wings of the storm. He divides the sea from Moses. He brought down the walls of Jericho for Joshua and the Israelites. He delivered Goliath into the hand of David. Little bitty David, can you see? Listen, that little man didn't do anything. Red-headed, little freckle-faced boy. But how I many know a little boy and a slingshot plus God can do anything? I love the story Mother Teresa told. She wanted to build an orphanage down in Calcutta, India. And, uh, and the diocese, the Catholic diocese in, in uh, New York said, well, Mother Teresa, how much money do you have? And she said, I have three pennies. And they chuckled amongst themselves. They said, Mother Teresa, you cannot build anything with three pennies, honey. And she said, I know you're right. But with three pennies and my God, I can build anything. I mean, oh, God is the factor. I said, awesome, powerful, sovereign God is the X factor. And with God, we can do anything. I mean, no, he delivered Daniel from the lion's den and the Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He calms the sea and tells them to be silent. And when he comes back, he's coming back with extreme judgment. Say, Pastor, you, you're preaching condemnation? No, no, no. I'm preaching salvation. How many know it's time for us to get people saved before they have to face the judgment? Our job is to be a soul-saving station, not a condemnation place. If you're here without God, how many know it's time for you to give your heart to Jesus? That's the victory we have in Christ Jesus. That we don't have to live by the flesh and die by the flesh, but we can live in the spirit and have everlasting life. Doesn't that sound great? What an offer. My rags and filthy life for his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. He was condemned so I didn't have to. You heard the song. How can it be that Jesus, King Jesus, would die for me? I don't think I've ever had anybody live for me, much less die for me. But he died so we can have life. And uh, he's coming, folks. How many believe Jesus is coming? He is our living God, and beside him there is no other. And not only did they see him as creator, but, but you know, he, we left off saying he was absolute sovereign. In other words, he didn't just create the whole world and throw it out there and let it spin in its own existence, not touching it. There's people that believe it. Theists, they believe that maybe there was a God that, that threw the world out there and the moons and stars and, and everything that he did in creation, and then he just left it all along to, to support itself and do it. How many believe God is involved in everything we do? Our God didn't just create us and leave us to fend for ourselves. He's involved in the affairs of your life. Every detail, every day, every time you take a breath, God Almighty is involved in your life. He's involved in your finances. He's involved in your marriage. He's involved in raising your children. He's the one got you the job. If you took a breath just a second ago, it was God that gave it to you. He's not exited somewhere uh, on his own and you're on your own. He's with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen? So he didn't create it all and leave it for us. It's called divine providence. In other words, it's, it all happened exactly as God said it would. And the church in the book of Acts knew all of that. They knew that. And when they prayed, they prayed that way. They knew the plans and the purposes of God. They had the prophecies of God down through the years in the Old Testament. They had the word of God. 
Can I tell you, some scholars today are believing that the Old Testament is irrelevant. How many know that's another lie? The Old Testament is not irrelevant. There are 39 books that help us to get to the 27, and the whole thing is God's plan. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. How many know Jesus is going to bring it all to a close one day? It's not half of a story. It's the whole gospel. Amen? And we got to take it all. You can't just pick and choose like some kind of a golden corral gospel. I think I'll take I'll think I'll take the sausage. I don't like I don't really like uh, you know steak. It's all or nothing. I said it's all or nothing. And so today, if you're worried about your problem, or if you're worried about America, can I tell you there is there is no panic going on in heaven. Over the, over the actions of the Sanhedrin or the Congress. I know some of you are worried about America, and you ought to be praying. If there's ever a day where the church ought to be on her face and on her knees, it's today. Because they think they have a clue. They got a green deal, the red deal, the blue deal, deal or no deal. I mean, know oh, this thing's going to be operating the way God calls it to be operated. It's not going to be Democrat or Republican that straighten this out. It's going to be our mighty God. Sovereign Lord, he's the one that's going to take care of the end. Therefore, we should uh, not panic either. Amen. The Holy Trinity never meets in an emergency session. Can you imagine God the Father and Son? Oh, Son, hurry, hurry, get the Holy Ghost. Let's get here. Let's just, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh Biden is the president. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we gonna do? I mean, oh, God knew Biden would be the president before Biden knew. I'm going to leave it right there. Bless the Lord. I hope he doesn't go any lower than the basement. That's all I'm saying. But when John saw the revelation, the first thing he saw was God seated on his throne. You look at Revelation chapter 1. And I saw God seated on his throne. I don't know what you see today. But we walk by faith and not by sight. If your sight is limited to the earthly surroundings, you are in trouble. If everything around you is bothering you, you definitely should be depressed. Paul said, I'm pressed on every side. I'm knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. Amen. I'm forsaken and persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. How many know the Lord's still the Lord of my life? And he's still on the throne. Man, this will preach at a Pentecostal church. And I want to shout it to you. How many know God's still there? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sovereign God. Hallelujah. And that's how we handle our problems. We minimize the problem when we maximize our praise to the sovereign almighty creator and absolute sovereign God. So they didn't only have the right perspective of God. They had a right perspective of themselves. Okay. He was controller of all things and he was, and, and, and they recognized themselves as servants. They understood who they were. Do you know the first step in praying powerful prayers is humility? This word servant means bond servant, slave. Because we have two parts to the cross. We often talk about one part of the cross that Christ died 
in our behalf. Anybody glad for salvation through the cross? I said, anybody glad Jesus died and shed his blood for you and for me to be saved? The sins of the world. That's only one side. Yes, he's Savior, absolutely Savior. That's why he came, to save us. But can I tell you, the other side of the cross is Lord. I said, he's Lord. That means he owns you. You've been bought with a price, and now your life is no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And whatever I buy, I own. So sometimes I will buy, at the house I'll buy some banana marshmallow pie, moon pies. I got an amen somewhere. Some of you feeling it. And you know I can't figure out for the life of me where they go. I bought those. I want those. They're mine. I can throw them away if I want. I can eat them all in one setting if I want, and I have. Whatever you own, you do with what you want with. And he could have allowed you and I to be destroyed. But he took our place. Is anybody thankful for the substitutionary death on the cross? You talk about the gospel. Jesus died on the cross so you and I can have salvation. What are we doing? Don't spit in the face of your God. Don't be a nuisance. Don't be uh, uh, somebody who just walks all over the blood of Jesus, act like he didn't do anything. You owe him your life. He bought you. He owns you. In fact, he bought you twice. That means he owns you. He created you, put his stamp on you in the image of his son, and then you got lost. And he bought you back like Hosea and Gomer. God said, buy her on the auction block of sin. How many glad Jesus bought us back? You twice redeemed. You've been twice his. But if you don't humble yourself, are y'all hearing me? If my people, if my people would what? Humble themselves. That's the right position. We're talking about the right person, Jesus. But we got to get in the right position. Humility. Humble themselves and the right posture and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will he hear from us. There's no listening. There's no relationship. There's nobody hearing because there's no relationship. But as soon as you come to faith in Jesus, I'm glad the doors of heaven are open. I said the heavens are no longer brass. You can go to the very throne of God. By his grace. Is anybody here thankful for the grace of God? Boldly, boldly approach God and ask what you will. But prior to that, you don't even know him. In fact, that's the words he says at the end. He says one of two things at the end, folks. Welcome home. Enter into the joy of the Lord or depart from me. You workers of iniquity or sinner, I don't even know you. So God's not here with a ball and chain trying to knock out every sinner. He gave his only son for every sinner. But if the sinner refuses the God that gave him the opportunity, there's no thankful heart there. And there's no relationship there. There's no forgiveness. There's no repentance. There's no life. So when you get there, you say, who are you again? You made reservations. Let me see. You made reservations. 
Ron Moran, Ron Moran. How do you spell that again? Do you know how many times I've had to spell my name for people? They've called me everything under the book. Just because I have a little French accent on the end doesn't give you a right to butcher my name. Moran, Moran, Moran. I say, let them laugh. When I stand before Jesus, he's going to say, welcome. I got your name right here. I know Jesus knows your name. He's written it down in the Lamb's book of life. I wish they had a church that got excited about that. I said, I wish somebody was glad that their names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Because when he sees that, his righteous blood covers it all. Care how bad you think you are or how bad you think you were. I mean, I think Jesus still saves. You know, the prodigal son, he went off. But you know what? There's a brother, an elderly brother, who, uh, who missed it just as bad. He missed it just as bad, Max. Prodigal son came to his right mind and came back to Jesus. The prodigal son just could have said, you know what? I really don't like working in the pigsty. He could have got another job. He could have went to the bank and got a loan, went back to the casino. But something happened. He got something. I mean, I believe God never lets you down. God never leaves the person who wants to have a relationship with him. The Holy Spirit will haunt you down. He will call on you, and you will answer. And when you do, he'll open up the heavens for you. How many glad heaven is available for everybody? Whosoever will. But you have to humble yourself. Bond slave, literally. Grant to your bond slaves that we would be bold to speak your word. We must, we must. I may not get another uh, point in here today. But the American church must settle the lordship issue. He's not just savior. He's Lord. You don't have all of these options. I said the church in America has decided they can take whatever they want. Take it or leave it. I'm a Christian. I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. No, you can't. You see how quiet it gets? I think we most of us believe the Bible. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go do whatever you want. I caught you this time and no problem. Just go on and do whatever you want. Go and what? Sin no more. And not only did he say that, he said, I'm going to go with you, baby. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be with me. Hang with me and you'll make it. Leave me and you are not going to make it. So every time, that's why I love David. David repented. He did so many foolish things. But every time David's heart would repent after God, God would save him. One lady asked me when I first got saved, I used to go to the altar every Sunday night, every Sunday night. How many glad for Sunday nights? Half the church. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're going down. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you, honey. (laughs) Used to be a day where Sunday night was the night. Sunday night was it. You can go Sunday morning, but if you're really saved, you go Sunday night. And if you want to make the rapture, you go Wednesday night. That was the way it was when I grew up. I mean, I came to the altar every Sunday, cry. I wasn't doing anything bad. I just would make sure I wasn't doing anything bad. I wanted to make right. A little legalism there. You know, remember the old days. I mean, you can get saved Sunday morning, but by, by 6 o'clock service, you're probably going to halfway to hell. You've got to get saved again. 
Anybody been saved more than once? Here's the church. A few of you didn't lie. A few of you didn't lie. Anyway, one lady told my mother-in-law, said, man, Brother Ronnie goes to the altar every Sunday. She said, yes, he does. She said, is there anything wrong with him? She said, no, there's nothing wrong with him. Why don't you try it? I love my mother-in-law. She'd tell you straight up. God bless her. She'll tell you straight up, and you'll thank her, kind of like Sister Wanda Cole. Sister Wanda Cole would rake me over the coals, no pun intended, and I would thank her for it. I just didn't know how that happened. She's just such a sweet lady. I miss her so much. The, the, the point is that to be humbled is to stay close to Jesus. We're not trying to flirt with the world to see what we can get away with. I mean, no, this world's trying to stick close to the edge. How much can I remain a Christian and still be a Christian? And, and we're not one. I don't want to slide into to heaven and wonder if the umpire is going to call me safer out. I want to know, just as I know, the saints are going to win the Super Bowl. Just shitting y'all ready for this afternoon, people. Y'all watch the game. I'll be here praying. Bless the Lord. Could it snow about five o'clock, Lord? No, teasing. I'm teasing. Y'all know I love you. Oh, you are sovereign God. What I'm talking about is the lordship issue. We plan to, we, we, if we plan to pray with power, many people just say they know God as Savior, but they don't know him as Lord. They don't know him as Lord. You don't have no options. You're a bond slave. A bond slave. They would mark them. Bond slave. They'd mark them. They were slave because they were told to be slave. Don't mind the heater. It's full of the demons. Seriously, that thing scared me half to death this morning, Max. I was in here walking and praying and all the things. That thing, whatever that just did. You talk about a scary place when the lights are out. And that thing screeches like that. I'm a man of faith, but I got to tell you. I'm closer to Jesus today than I've ever been. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, Lord, please help me finish this message, okay? I only got point three, and I'm on the second time already. <laughs> if you feel the Lord leading you to give $5,000, our heater went out over there. Okay, it's going to cost us $5,000 to replace the heater. Let the Lord convict you. I mean, uh, speak to you. So this is the prayer. This is the the personality, this is the perception, all right, that God is going to be Lord. He says, go, and we go. He says, stay, and we stay. He says, come, and we come, because he's Lord. He's Lord. Wesley, he's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. I said, Jesus Christ is Lord. And so if we want to see revival, we need to see this word bond slave. And you've got to take on Philippians 2, 5 through 7. That's the perspective. It describes the mind we should be having. Let this mind be in you. Look at this, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, he was God in the flesh. He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God or something that he could grasp. There's a lot of people today running around thinking they are equal with God. I mean, no, they are deceived, disillusioned. I said, he's the potter, we're the clay. He's the father, we're the children. Don't get it confused. He's the king, we're the servants. Bond slaves, we want to be there. We don't have to be there. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. 
It's, in other words, bond slave is we're free. I said we're free. Um, but many people don't know it. You know, we live in a country where, where God has created a freedom, but many people don't know they're in bondage. And spiritually in the church, a lot of people have been set free by Jesus, but still living in bondage. That's a perception in the mind. You got you to gotta become a bond slave. Right? It's the same word used as servant. If we want to see revival and awakening, we want to see God move in power and great glory, then we need to have the right perspective of ourselves and learn to submit to God as Lord. Get on your face, get on your knees, and get in your prayer closet and call upon sovereign God, our Lord and our Savior. Amen? So when we see in this prayer, is the prayer is a relationship. They recognize themselves as servants, verse 29. They refer to themselves as bond slaves it's the key unity is the key humility is the key to powerful praying and their prayer was a prayer of surrender and submission right if my people right surrender to his will i want you to see what they didn't do these folks didn't didn't pray like this they didn't complain about the situation they were in now i know god is a good god and in our prayer time anybody do any complaining in your prayer time I've heard some of you pray. All we do is just go into God and tell him all the things that are going wrong. How many know there's a few things God has done right? And in a, in a nation that's going through a pandemic and a political upheaval and a financial crisis, how many know it's hard-pressed for God's people to have enough faith to talk about something positive? But can I tell you, in the middle of all that's happening, God's still doing some good things. I said, how many believe God's still doing some good things? And you got to pick yourself up and put yourself on the right perspective. Get an eternal perspective, not an earthly perspective. See this thing turned around. They submitted to God, and they did not complain about the situation. They didn't call fire down on the Sanhedrin. I don't know what your political state of mind is, and I'm not here to deal with politics. But our problem is not in Washington, D.C. There is some problems in Washington, D.C., but that's not our ultimate problem. I said, your biggest problem is you. My biggest problem is me. And if I'm not having a good day, folks, listen online because they're not listening to me here. If I'm having a bad day, it's my fault. I mean, you got to draw a circle around your own feet and have revival. If your revival, if your powerful presence in the Lord is determined by everybody else, you're never going to have it. It can't be outward. It has to be inward. So they didn't complain about the situation. They didn't call fire down on the Sanhedrin. They didn't ask God to remove them from the fire and put us in a more favorable situation. Pastors are the notorious. They're, they're famous. If, if the heat gets bad in one church, well, they'll just skip to another. Can I tell you the church is the church is the church. And, and back at me, the pastor is the pastor is the pastor. Get rid of me, you'll get one just like me. Or worse. You'll never be as good looking. You can guarantee that. Bald is the new beautiful folks. Y'all didn't catch that yet, but it's happening. Oh, I mean bold. Bold is the new beautiful. The whole prayer is this. Never allow anything to deter you from the mission that God assigned to you. Don't let the church, don't let the the nation, 
Don't let the Congress or the Senate or the party or whatever is going on. People at work. You know what? If you get frustrated with your boss or your environment at work, you know what? It's easy to quit. Go get another one. But guess what? They breathe and they, and they are just like everybody else. You know who I want to honor right now before we go any further? Medical personnel and teachers and administrators. Would you stand, if you work in the medical field or teaching or whatever throughout this whole pandemic, would you stand? There's some in the balcony. There's some on the main floor. If you're a teacher, administrator, worker in the medical field somewhere, come on, give God praise for all of these people. More, I tell you what. We honor you. We thank you. We salute you. We appreciate you. You know what? It's not the same as it was in 2019. Big difference. But yet they hung in there and stayed put in the middle of crisis, disease, pandemic. They keep on serving. They keep on loving. They keep on ministering. And that's how we should be. What happens around us that doesn't determine what's going on in us? How many believe God can keep them, protect them? We got greater than, a, uh, we got greater than, than the little shot coming what do they call that? The vaccine, yeah. I said a greater than vaccine is here. His name is Jesus. Not against the vaccine. I'm going to let you all take it and see how it goes. The point is, the whole world will know who Jesus is if we lift him up. Amen? Now, let's put it all together in this prayer because i got to quit here. They prayed together, which brought power. It brought, it brought a fresh supply of power and the presence of God. Prayer brings the power and the presence of God. Every time you invite Jesus into the situation, you are in the positive, right? They acknowledged God to be their sovereign ruler and Lord. They submitted to him in humility. They submitted to his redemptive plan and purpose, right? Submission. Submission is key, right? Submission is key. And uh, did you know that any believer who chooses to submit to God's plan and to worship Jesus will be filled with the fullness of Christ? You ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. If, if Scripture said, if, if you ask for uh, bread, is it going to give you a rock? Absolutely not. Right? God's not after you to hurt you. He's here to bless you. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 5 said, talking about fathers, earthly fathers, said, if you being evil know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit who needs it? I think that's pretty specific. If, you, if you're going to get through anything, I mean, no, you need the Holy Spirit. I said, are we a spirit-filled church or what? You need the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of churches trying to program their way through this culture. They're actually cuddling and cuddling up to the culture to make them feel a little bit better about the sin they're in. But I mean, we need to stand bold and preach Jesus. We need to preach Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected. Come on now. We need to preach the gospel. We don't water the gospel down because the world is so, so full of sin. We preach the truth of the gospel and the world comes the way we all came to God in humility and prayer asking for forgiveness. Purpose of God is achieved. Prayers. What's the goal? The kingdom must advance. If Jesus is magnified, the Holy Spirit is looking for people who want God and what, what God wants. And when he finds those people, the Holy Spirit fills them 
and they magnify God. They glorify God. Say, Pastor, I'm just not qualified. I mean, you, you've been to Bible school and seminary. I can tell you what I learned on one hand. I wish I could forget a lot of it. I mean, the books are not going to help you. I think, in fact, some, in some ways, the Pentecostal church has been hindered by intellectualism. They educated themselves right out of the glory of God. They educate, they're so smart now, they don't need altars. They smart, they're so smart, they don't need Sunday night and Wednesday night. They don't need prayer meetings. Can I tell you, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the prayer meeting more today than we've ever needed the prayer meeting. We need God's people to come together and say, we are nothing. We need Jesus. And when we depend upon him with that kind of certainty and clarity of mind and purpose and will, Lord, don't worry about the Sanhedrin. Embold us so we can preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ so the kingdom of God can advance. Matthew 11 and 12, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. This thing at the end of time here is going to be, it's going to be a doozy. But we're not getting weaker. We need to be getting stronger. We shouldn't be praying less. We should be praying more. We shouldn't be going to church less or reading our Bible less. We should be, tonight you come for a spiritual checkup. Let's see where you are. Let's do a genuine, authentic evaluation of your spiritual life. Quit playing church. I don't even ask people if they're saved anymore. I don't ask them because everybody I ask you, you saved? Oh, yes, yes, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm a born-again, bona fide sinner. That's what they say. I say, oh, wait, wait a minute. We're all sinners saved by grace, but once you're saved by grace, I'm not a sinner anymore. If I'm still a sinner, I'm not a saint. Don't get me wrong. I didn't save myself, but I'm not in the same bunch as I was in. I'm not doing the same thing I did. I'm not going the same place I went. I'm not saying the same stuff I said. I'm born again. My vocabulary has changed. My countenance changed. The way I dress has changed. The way I walk has changed. The way I talk has changed. Something's changed. I've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not the same. I'm not the man I ought to be, but thank God I'm not the man I used to be. And wait till you see the man I'm going to be. How many know God's still working on me? How about you? And so we see this. People are so confused today, and they don't see the heavens uh, the plans, the plots, the theme, the, 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 the system, the plans of God, the strategies of God. God's got an army marching through the land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hand. There's everlasting joy and gladness in their heart. And in this army, I've got a part. How about you? I think church has forgotten who they are. Come to church and waddle in, sit down, Waddle out, waddle in, waddle out. And I hate to tell them, but weebles do fall down. Remember the old adage, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. So unity is vital. Submission is vital. Unselfishness is vital. God is greater than your personal problems. He's greater than your background greater than your abuse, greater than your victimization, greater than the people who've hurt you in the past. How many know God wants to heal you in the future? Can't do anything about your past, but how many know he can do everything about your future? And so great, 
If you have a financial situation, turn to God. Struggling in your body, turn to God. Can't raise your kids, it's a struggle in this day. Call on Jesus. Unless you understand how great God is, we'll sell him short. And I believe the church basically in America sold God short. How many believe God still has a lot of good things he wants to do before the end comes? So verse 25 and 26 are quotation from Psalm 2, 1 and 2, concerning the power of those who are opposed to God. I want you to look at it. The nation's rage. The original language of Greek, it was used to describe the sound produced by high-fed spiritual horses. Okay? A mighty army. And these wild horses are going into battle. Raging. William Barclay says, he says, uh, they may trample and toss their heads. And in the end, they will have to surrender the reins to God. And it looks like the enemy's winning, doesn't it? I mean, you look around the world, it looks like the world is succeeding and the church is fading. But don't be deceived, my friends. I said, don't count the church out. God is still on the throne. I said, it's not over till God says it's over. In fact, it's about ready to get going. I said, it's about ready to get going good. Don't quit. Satan would love for us to quit. I'm going to go to another church. I just don't feel anything. This church is judgment here. No, 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 no. You're running. Quit running. You can change spouses. You can change churches. You can change jobs. You can change your underwear. But it ain't going to change the situation. Love it. I love it. The enemies of God may have big plans, but they're all in vain, church, because God's got a plan. And the enemy's plans are empty for even the death on the cross turns Satan's greatest moment into defeat and God's greatest moment into victory. You will never stop the church of God because you'll never stop the God of the church. He's sovereign and he is not done. Amen. The early church believers we see in verse 28 found great courage and comfort in their sovereign God. And they, uh, they uh, shouldn't be concerned that these mere men, Sanhedrin, have threatened them and threatened their life. Shouldn't have been concerned. I see, I see Paul and Silas, and they're in jail for the same reasons. I mean, you go through the book of Acts, I mean, no, you see the power of God happening. After chapter 4, when the place was shaken, you saw the power of God after that mighty prayer. They had the right perspective. They had the right person. They had the right prayer, and they saw the right power. Amen? place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit. Go into Acts chapter 5. Again, it happens. And uh, Ananias and Sapphira thought they'd get by without tithing. Oh, my goodness, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Don't want to give nothing to God. God gives you everything, and you give God nothing. You're not going to live long on that. Enjoy what you bought, but it ain't going to last very long. Because you didn't give anything to Jesus. You can't go around taking all your life. You got to give. Got to be a giver. If you want to be more like God, you're going to be a giver. Because God is a giver. God so loved the world he gave. And if you're not a giver, you're well on your way to trouble. Taking advantage of the graces of God. Well, Ananias said, you know, I don't have to do anything. It's my money. I earned it. His wife agreed with him. But after they took him out, she thought she was in the clear. They took her out too. Big graveyard in the back of the church. 
I said, we don't have enough land in the 21st century to bury all the people who are lying. It's a serious issue. It's not about your money. It's about your submission to his authority. You have my life. You have my money. You have my time. You have my everything. Every breath um, I have is yours, Lord. I submit to you. Understand that. Not, it's not condemnation. It's concern that you honor God with your first fruit. But that wasn't the issue. No, that wasn't the real issue. The Bible says in chapter 5 that they began to preach and uh, they buried them. The people, you talk about a revival right after Ananias and Sapphira. How many know they had a revival? If America, if God would move today like he moved in the book of Acts chapter 5, we would have a full house. And we would certainly be begging nobody to buy a heater. And so I'm just saying, they saw the power of God. Then Peter preached, and then, and then they, they voted in. Remember I told you we need wisdom. They voted in the, the man to take uh, um, Judas's place, and, and then they got a man full of the Holy Ghost. We're about to elect two more deacons. I mean, oh, we need to pray the mind of God. Men full of the Holy Ghost and a good report to lead the church of God. Yes? This is not, this is not prestige and power and position. This is people to help us lead the people of God. Right? And so, so his name was Stephen. Stephen, he, uh, he began to preach, and they didn't like what he had to say. And they gnashed on him. They bit him with their teeth. They actually bit him so angry about the truth of the gospel. I mean, oh, our world is getting viciously violent against the truth of the gospel. Violent against the gospel. It's not, it's not pro-choice anymore. It's pro-abortion. You understand? It's pro-death. Pro-death. It's not a choice. It's not choice. They have one agenda, kill. Oh, I don't think y'all are hearing me. And we're going to answer to God for that. Understand God is still on his throne. And even though the time has gone by, we act as though God is not taking part in the affairs of men. How many know sovereign God is still quite in charge? And we will give an account. So then they, uh, they had to take care of the widows, start taking care of the widows, Right? Who's going to do that? So we can pray. It's all about ministry. It's always been about the advancement of the kingdom. Never anything else. And so God's kingdom can't be stopped because of the truth. Um, they, they weren't going to be stopped either. Because of that truth, neither were they going to be silenced. And the church went on. And they prayed for boldness. And closing here in 31st verse, after they prayed, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke the word of God boldly. Uh, The Holy Holy Spirit was a difference maker. How many believe that? It's, It's true because these once timid, fearful, secretly hiding disciples behind the walls after the resurrection, uh, you know, now they're standing up full of the Holy Ghost preaching. Stephen stands while stones are hitting him. In his death, he sees Jesus since I see Jesus. I mean, oh, we better get a hold of Jesus because the stones are going to start to fly. They may not be literal physical stones, but how I many know oh, they're going to try to censor the church, shut down preaching from the pulpit. They're going to try to shut you down, tell you where you can go, when you can go. Believe it or not, here it comes. It's closer than you think. I said we're closer to the return of the Lord than you've ever imagined. 
We need to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. They were, they were ready. And the, and the enemy commented that these are just uneducated, untrained men. I say, let it be so. You can make fun of Oak Grove. Ain't that many. We got churches in our city that have thousands. But you know what? (laughs) They might be able to try to shut us down, but they'll never shut us up. You understand what I'm saying? The gospel must be preached. We are armed and dangerous. And I'm not talking about firearms. I mean, there's power in prayer. Power in prayer. You can't even buy no bullets. Go ahead and store up your bullets. You ain't gonna be able. That's not. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. We fight with the power of the Holy Ghost. It's power on your knees. More prayer. More prayer. More prayer. Praying together. And today, if you're here and you need prayer, we're gonna stand with you. And Ephesians six says, "When you've done all that you can to stand, keep on standing." The whole goal is that we don't quit. The New Testament church didn't give. uh, I'm not talking about yuppies who are doing yoga and and meditation. I'm not asking you to get together and say, I'm going to do exercise. I can't do some of those things. Do you understand? I'll hurt for days. Aren't you glad that it's not up to those kinds of things? When God says stretch out your hand, he wasn't talking about yoga. You are God's hands and feet extended. And you're never going to stand taller as when you kneel on your knees. Born and raised Roman Catholic, so so the prayer and being on your knees, that was a holy thing indeed. I know posture is just posture. But there's something about humbling yourself. I mean, one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess. It's humility. And that's why we have altars. We kneel at the cross. We call on the Lord and ask him to advance the kingdom, ignite the church, change us as individuals. And, and we ask him to stretch out his healing hand, to heal with signs and wonders in the name of the Lord. And that's why the place was shaking, right? Oh, Grove, this would be, um, I want you to know this world may reject our message, but they will be helpless against our prayers. Everybody doesn't, mean, everybody doesn't belong here. Everybody doesn't want to be here. Everybody don't even like and believe what we believe. But they can't stop the power of God. Right? Satan has only one thing in 2021 he wants to do is keep us from praying together. Chrissy and Taylor, would you come with your team? It's time for us to quit. I think I've made it through. We pray because it equips us with power. We, cray, we pray because it prepares us in the battle. We pray because it propels the kingdom of God forward. We pray because it moves the hand of God. We pray turns ordinary people into powerful people. These hiding disciples who were afraid, Peter was warming by the fires of the world and and denying Jesus' existence. And then when he got full of the Holy Ghost, he became a powerhouse for God. It's the Holy Spirit that made the difference. And he stood and preached. 3,000 got saved. And by the end of the week, they had 20, 30,000 people in the New Testament church. And I'm not dealing with numbers. I'm dealing with power. Ultimately, they witnessed the power of God. The place was shaken. They were filled with a fresh outpouring. They were filled next to Peter was full when he stood up to preach. 
The church was filled again in Acts 4. It tells me we can't live on 2020's experience or 2019. And maybe you got filled with the Holy Spirit when you was a kid and you hadn't spoken tongues since. I mean, no, you need an up-to-date, powerful experience with God. You can't just go by. Pentecost can be just another religion, just like every other religion. But it's not a religion. How many know it's not a denomination? It is an experience with God. So they were unified. They were filled and they preached the word. Would you stand with me today? Acts 1.8. They preached the word. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, in Jerusalem, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Don't let the opposer stop you from transformation. God wants you to be prayer people. People of prayer. Warriors. Soldiers with boldness. I remember my little Tori was seven years old and she was scared to dive off the high diving board. When she went to church Sunday night, got the Holy Ghost, she went to the highest diving board she can get. And I mean, oh, the Holy Ghost will give you power, boldness. I said, the Holy Ghost will take the chicken out of you. Make you bold. Don't be intimidated. Don't be timid and intimidated. Don't let those bullies bully you around and act like you are, are not able to, to hold your own. You serve the living God. Come on, lift your hands in the air. Come on. I serve a living God. I serve the sovereign God of all creation. Not only is he sovereign over all creation, he's in control of everything. And when the people of God, come on, begin to pray. When the people of God began to pray in one mind, one accord, for the kingdom of God to be advanced into 2021, everything that could be shaken was shaken. Whatever was left, God harvested for his glory. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if somebody's here and you need salvation, that you would take a step of faith and walk to this altar. Let us lay hands on you and pray with you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to see that God transform you. If you're here and you need healing, if you need financial victory, if you're going through depression, if you're grieving and hurting, if you're lonely, whatever you need, our God is here. And nothing's too hard for Him. The Holy Spirit's here to fill you, to heal you, to do whatever you need. We have prayer warriors. If you'll make a step of faith, you come. Let us worship the Lord together. And if you're at home, in your living room, we'll be praying for you too. If you have a need, just let us know on the on the comment line there that you have a need. We'll pray with you all week. God is going to help us. Come on. If you want to make an altar, these altars are open.